Come on, man. So Mitch McConnell, you know, as we watch the, as we watch both houses of Congress, we see more and more of the members uh, aging and having obvious health conditions. We look at the president, and we see that uh, you know he's got issues with dementia, most likely Alzheimer's, something like that. But um, it's just the 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 aging process and the ravages of of getting older and um, you know the saying is getting old isn't for sissies and I agree with that 100% so while I think we all empathize with people who are going through things uh, it doesn't mean that we that we can't be honest with ourselves and we can't call a spade a spade and you know you look at Dianne Feinstein you look at Biden you look at Mitch McConnell and you're seeing people who should have got out of the game a long time ago and the health that uh, I just don't understand it because you think that with all of that uh, cash that they all have and and uh, the, the life that they could lead outside of the houses of Congress, you know, the uh, it, it kind of makes you wonder and scratch your head and say, well, why don't you just retire, take it easy, enjoy yourselves? You know, and it goes back to the, I think, the the emphasis that or the desire that each of them have to feed their egos maybe or to, to it's hard maybe to give up the power that they have. I don't know what the answer is to that. I'd be curious as to your opinion as to what the answer is to that. But um, as you know, probably Mitch McConnell had uh, an episode where, you know, he just kind of lost himself and... He had to have help, and we've seen that with Biden as well, wandering off stage, wandering around the White House, not knowing where he really was, all of those sorts of things, you know, and um, it's it's really sad to see. But again, you know, we have uh, Mitch McConnell, who's just joined the list of people now that really are questionable, and people bring up term limits and what should happen, and, um, you know, it's it's highly questionable, and Mitch McConnell now, the process, unfortunately, is is rigged, just like the 2020 election is rigged. And there is an article on GoRed.com. If you want to check it out, GoRed.com. Uh, Mitch McConnell uh, talking about his replacement. And the, the replacement process is just as rigged as the 2020 elections were. No outsider really has a chance of winning. So... The talk is that John Thune is going to be the obvious uh, replacement if McConnell steps down. So John Thune, you know, has been a little bit all over the place um, for a while there. He looked like he really was more of a patriot than what he's shown recently. And um, that's unfortunate, but I think that, you know, it's, it's just reality. So back in the day when the states decided, you know, who the... Who the senators were it brought that power closer to home and it since it's been removed we've lost our representation in my opinion and you know we've lost our control over who who's there and and uh, why they're there and i think that you know that uh, is has been historically proven time and time again, and th this whole thing with Mitch McConnell is just another example of that. And um, so I want to talk about that a little bit. I'd like to get your opinion on that as well. So you can comment uh, below here, or you can email me at redbloodpatriots at protonmail.com. That's redbloodpatriots at protonmail.com, and uh, we can talk about that. So recently, uh, Trump sat down with Steve Bannon. And this article is from uh, 
uh, republicbrief.com, uh, and there's several video clips that um, that uh, they have put up here, and and uh, he talks. President Trump talks about uh, whether or not he would run again if he knew what uh, what was going to happen to him. And I think you all know the answer, but I want to play this. You'll hear the audio. In this book, you have Cuomo, Ted Kennedy, others you knew for years that sent you letters. Knowing how tough the job is, do you, you know Cuomo never ran? Kennedy kind of ran in a half-hearted primary against uh, Carter and Loss. Do you think they had the right stuff to actually be president of the United States? Well, it takes guts to run. Put guts for me. Uh, it's not easy to run, you know. And I think if I, you knew the day you standing at the top of the escalator. If you knew what was going to happen to your personal life, of the relentless assault, the legal, they're trying to put you in a bankruptcy, they're trying to put your children in bankruptcy, attacks on your family, yeah. your business, your friends, everything. Uh, 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 Bedminster was going to host the PGA. Turnberry, you bought a turnaround to be in the Open uh, Championship Rota. Mm. Everything on every aspect of your life that you cherish. If you knew standing at the top of that escalator that that is what is going to be installed with it, everything in this book, I'm walking away from. Not just walking away from. It's going to be a, a hard. Walking away from a wonderful, beautiful life. I have all of these incredible properties that I don't even get to see now. You know, I'm going to Scotland next week to look at properties I haven't seen. I have Turnberry. I own Turnberry. I own uh, Aberdeen. I own Dunbeg in Ireland on the All Ocean. I said. And, and there's a very special letter in here from Sean Connery. Oh, he's great. Sean, Con that's what I want to talk to you. You're going to Ireland, Scotland last week. Sean Connery has this letter in there that says, I guess, assisted you in the toughest yeah, times yeah. to get that beautiful piece of property turned to a great links course. But just to answer the question that you were about to ask me, would I do it again? Is that what you were going yes. to say? Would you, would you know then, yeah. would you Would you even done it then? Would you even done it then? I, I would have, look, um, very few people get this opportunity. Mike Bloomberg spent two and a half billion dollars. He never got past the first question in the debate. When he debated, that was a big decision for him. That was a big, bad decision. Uh, Pocahontas asked him a question. It was such a bad question. Everyone thought it was about me, but then it says, and I'm not talking about President Trump. I'm talking about you. And he stood there. He said, oh, my God. And that was the end of his campaign. Had he kept spending $100 million a week on advertising, he might have been the nominee. And, you know, who knows what would have happened, okay? But, the, but that's not the reason. The reason is we really, I, we're going to make this country great. We're going to do this. We're going to get it going. And It'll be bigger the second time if we do it, because we'll be able to show how bad the policies are. If I did the normal, like, look, we won the election, we won it by a lot. I got many, I got millions, almost 12 million more votes the second time. I say that to somebody, for somebody from the New York Times. We did said, a pretty good job in 16, but we 12 did a great job. But 74 million, 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 it's amazing. See, I was told that if I get the same 63 million votes uh -huh. as I got the first time, I can't lose. We got 12 million more votes. We did better. You know, somebody from the Times is interviewing me early on, and they said, what went wrong? I said, what went wrong? I got 12 million more votes than I did the first time. I was told by McLaughlin and all your yeah. friends that Fabrizio, everybody well, said Obama. It. Obama, who they barely, you know, could even match his yeah. first time barely. You well, he didn't match. Right? No, he got well, less the well. second time. So 12 million more votes. We, I got millions more votes than Obama got, and many. I don't know what the number is. Many, many millions more votes. And we lost. We didn't lose. It was a rigged election, but it's one of those things. Stolen. Now, what we have to say, didn't close. what we have to say is that we learned from that. We can't let anything like that happen again. They did use COVID, and COVID was, you know, everyone said, oh, everything has to be by these phony mail-in ballots. And again, Jimmy Carter said, you can't do it. But just to get to your question, the answer would absolutely do it again. Even if I knew exactly, even today, I have these fake phony investigations going on. You know, I had it with Russia, Russia, Russia. That was a hoax. As soon as we found out, as soon as I won that one, about two weeks later, I had Ukraine, 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 right? I had a perfect phone call with Zelensky, and I got impeached over a absolutely perfect, perfect phone call. I do it again. Uh, I do it again because we did, I rebuilt the military, got the largest tax cuts in history, had the greatest employment. We had 164 million people. I was saying 161. Now it was 164 million people working. We never had anything like that. The interest, absolutely. Now, I don't know how it's all going to turn out. 
So there you have it, President Trump. You know, as it doesn't surprise you because he said this a number of times that he would definitely uh, run again. And I think that's what makes him so great is that he he's taken a lot of slings and arrows for us. And uh, he's and the reason why they hate him is because he's obviously a person who actually came in and did what he said he's going to do. So I wanted to just play that for you. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Christina Bob. Hey, good morning. Hey there, Christina. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm having I'm having kind of a hard day with some of these techno uh, techno issues I'm having. But, oh no! Um, it, this this podcast is just audio, right? You don't stream video. I do stream video actually. I I, I know that um, we had the same thing happen. We had the same thing happen yesterday, and I've sent him a message about that. But yeah. but it's fine. If you're voice only, we can still talk. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a specific message in here that says it's audio only. Yeah, no, it's it's not. So uh, that's fine. Okay. It's an, it's an honor to have you on in any way, and I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. Um, I apologize. I, I'm sorry about the mix-up, and I would love to come back another time when I know that it's video, if, if that's something you'd be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. You're always welcome back. Everybody that comes on this show is instantly a friend, whether they want it or not. <laughs> that's just the rule. It's so, so you know, I, I'm I'm looking at and have been looking at your biography, and I got to say, you have just packed so much stuff <laughs> into your life that you really are an amazing person. I don't know, you know, if you realize that, but it's amazing the stuff that you've done and stuff that you continue to do. Thank you for your service, uh, first of all, and thank you for your continued service on the domestic side and, you know, really trying to save our country, which, you know, is, is admirable. Well, thank you. So I, I appreciate it. I, I have done a lot. Um, it wasn't anything intentional, and I certainly didn't plan it. Um, but, you know, just always kind of looking for the next interesting opportunity and it has turned into a very interesting career uh, but I'm, I'm grateful I'm honored certainly very honored to be where I'm at right now um, and yeah so and now I'm happy to be on your show well I, I appreciate that what um, what about your past do you think has been the, has been or was the greatest influence to push you in the direction that you're in right now I know that's a big question yeah but... um what about my past has been the biggest influence pushing me? I think it was just my, <laughs> this is going to sound silly and canned, but it's true, um, sense of adventure. I never was willing to, and I, this sounds, you know, contrived, but it, it, it was, it really was the case where um, I never tried to get content in a place that I thought was boring. Um, I was always trying to look for something that, was more interesting and more intriguing. And, you know, I, I joined the military or I joined a law firm and I, I would do that for a while. And everybody experiences that you get into a place and it kind of becomes routine and normal and it's just comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I never liked that sense of this is just comfortable and this is just what I do. Um, I always wanted to feel new. I always wanted to be doing something that I felt was just a little bit beyond my capabilities. Um, and and yeah, so that that prompted me when I would get to that place of comfort, I would leave. I would go find something else. So basically, you you're a person who is motivated to change when you feel maybe a little stagnant, and it's always pushed you along. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't tolerate stag stagnant moments for very long, and I don't I don't mean that in the sense of you know I, I my concern in saying that is that people will visualize that as me having this you know, great, or at least me saying that I have this great stand and, you know, big ideas of moving forward. I really don't. A lot of it was just, I I was discontent with where I was at. You know, it had worked for a little while and then it didn't work. And when it didn't work anymore, I just moved. It wasn't a grandiose thing. It was just, I just want to do something different. Right. So what, um, what formed you politically? Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. Sure. Yeah, he's yeah. He's really woken up a lot of people, I think, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I was never particularly political. Um, when I, you know, I was raised in a conservative Christian home, and so when I became eighteen, I actually voted for the first time on my eighteenth birthday. Um, it was the I should have seen it as a you know a harbinger, but it was um, 
the Bush v. Gore election. <laughs> oh, sure. And so maybe that was <laughs> foretelling of things to come. But um, I so after that, I was a registered Republican at that time. And then not long after that, I I disassociated or unaffiliated with any party and was just independent. And, you know, I leaned conservative, but I was independent. And then and then along came Donald Trump. And I was like, nope, I'm conservative. And I I just really value his perspective on things. Yeah, and going back to that election, your first vote, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a, someone on the Democratic side who, Democrat side who challenged the election and no. and didn't and didn't get persecuted for it? Uh, there's been a few of those. You know, yeah, haven't, haven't there? Hillary it's Clinton just... and, and like Stacey Abrams and those Democrats are, are the ones that certainly get highlighted. Al Gore challenged the election. Um, mm -hmm. But every every single election is challenged there are objections to every when i'm talking about presidential elections every single presidential election has a member of congress that stands up and says i don't think this is right or this you know whatever they they voice their objections and that's fine that's part of the democrat process democratic process excuse me is objecting to government procedure so yeah, there's there's absolutely nothing illegal about anything that Donald Trump or his team did in 2020. There's I would say there's certainly things that look to be illegal that Joe Biden is doing with his Department of Justice, but you know I would say so. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. So I had heard that um, that the, you know Pence was talking the two days before on the fourth in his speech saying that you know come the sixth the evidence will be heard. And you'll see basically saying you're, you're going to see us in action to really validate whether or not this election was fair. And said that? <clears throat> yeah, he said in his November 4th speech, he, he, he basically, those aren't his exact words, but what he did say is that, you know, you're going to see the Republican side of the mm -hmm. House and Senate stand up and, and question the results because we all know they're questionable. Right. And I had heard that there was three senators, Ted Cruz being one of them, that was going to second the, uh, you know, the, the objection. Right. Which, to my knowledge, has not been done in history. Uh, maybe way back in the, you know, 1800s sometimes. But right. Sometime. But um, do you know anything about that? Whether or not what was going on there? Um, and, no, and I mean, I don't, I don't have any behind the scenes information on that aspect of it. Um, I would have to, you know, I would have to look at public sources available for that. But um, uh, I do know Mike Pence caved. I mean, he completely caved to the media pressure. That's all it was, was media pressure. I mean, yeah. there, there's plenty of evidence that the election was stolen. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it doesn't even, it doesn't even pass the common sense test when you talk about the election. You look at, you know, Trump getting 12 million more votes and, you look at a Biden and you and you actually sit there and look at the numbers and you're thinking, okay, you're telling me that Joe Biden got many more votes than Barack Obama, who was a fantastic orator, who, you know, I mean, I didn't agree with anything he really did, but to compare the two and to see the whole race, him not being able to fill 12 chairs and the circles around the empty chair. Right. You know, it was just, it's just even in the, the smell test, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, so one interesting fact, and I've got this in my book, uh, Stealing Your Vote, the Inside Story of the 2020 Election and what it means for 2024. Um, and I have this statistic in there, but particularly in Arizona, Joe Biden got twice the number of votes as Barack Obama. It's not just that he got more votes. He got twice the number of votes of Barack Obama, which is uh, impossible truly unbelievable in every sense of the word yeah it's absolutely impossible and that that there alone should be enough to tell people that it was rigged in my opinion yeah i've got your book up on the screen here it's uh skyhorse publishing um let's talk about that so what uh what led to you wanting to put this book out other than the election results, obviously. Yeah. But, uh... Well, I didn't really intend to write a book. It's kind of funny, but I was an investigative reporter at the time, and I was spending months and months on the ground in Arizona and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Detroit, Michigan. Um, and you know, as a reporter, I would report on TV, but 
when you do TV interviews, you get like five minutes of airtime at a time, you know, because they keep switching the stories to to mm-hmm. give a, a smattering of news. So I was spending all this time on the ground and didn't have enough airtime to get the information out that I was finding out there and the people that I was talking to. So I just started writing my notes. And then I like to joke that I accidentally wrote a book because there was enough information there. I mean, some of it I reported on, but a lot of it I never even got the chance to report on because there was just so much. I didn't have airtime to do it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how the book came together. Right. And um, so you got the introduction there by Steve Bannon. Bannon's, you know, he's he's all over the place. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he's great. Um, so you, how's it going with the book, by the way? Is it? Um... Yeah, it's good. I mean, a lot. And I appreciate the fact that you'll talk about it with me because a lot of the bigger networks that I will go on won't even acknowledge that I wrote a book. <laughs> So there's a lot of places that don't want to talk about it, but yeah, it's it's doing well. Well, I don't know if you know it yet, but you know you're you're um, you're a celebrity in the sense that you have this book out there, your experience and and everything. I'm sure you get a lot of questions about about President Trump and you know about the time that you spent um, in the Department of Homeland Security and so on, but. Um, to me, the story is you, and what's what. That's why I started asking you about, you know, what what your what led you to where you you were going and everything else. I think there's a there's a hunger out there for people who want to see who this person really is behind the scenes. So I appreciate you just sharing, you know, some of your personal insight and what led you to to do what you do. So what would you say to, you know, uh, a young a young girl who is looking forward to her life and has these goals i mean how did you how did you uh put yourself in a place to actually have this stuff come to you are you are you a person that has a strong faith or yeah what do you think it i i do have a strong faith i mean i don't go to church or anything but my faith very much guides me um i i am a christian i never lost my faith i just you know i i lost my religion not my faith um but that is something that I, I believe is essential uh, to guiding me through this. I think what I would say to anybody, male or female, is maintain your true north and maintain a sense of integrity integrity in everything you do, no matter how small. Because as we can look around the world today, there are very few people who have kept their integrity. And and I, I see it, you know, being in Trump circle, those there's Trump has a lot of really, really great people with a lot of integrity around them. And those people rise to the top and they keep their places and they stay where they've been with him for decades. Um, they're, they're really great people. And then there's people that manage to squeeze their way into the Trump circle and they just, they just lack the necessary integrity to really be doing this kind of work and they're gone quickly, you know? So if you want staying power, keep your integrity no matter what you're doing never compromise never lie never be deceitful or manipulative just just be very honest in everything that you do that's a great message and i think people have lost that so that that with the with the sense of faith i think are just kind of those are those are kind of naturally connected yeah uh like you i'm not i'm not really denominational i have what i consider to be strong faith but um, I don't profess to play by man's rules, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I think that's great. I, my question to you is regarding some of those people that really haven't had that, that, uh, that ability and that virtue really, um, someone like Bill Barr, right? That, he's, that's a great he, example. He's, he's a guy who even all of us, you know, on the outside that are just flyover. I live in Wisconsin, right? We're the flyover. Uh, states and we're out here and what amazes me is that inside the bubble there's these elitists who just don't understand that everybody out here is much much more intelligent than what they're giving us credit for oh yeah they want everybody they they talk to us like we're stupid and they try to dictate an alternate reality that we can all see is not real um, but right. we're required to believe it. It they it really has become like a new religion. It's not it's not a reality. It's this religion of wokeism and globalism. And if you don't subscribe to it, you're ostracized. Well, the vast majority of Americans don't subscribe to it. 
So regardless of whether you're Democrat or Republican, and I think that's a really important message for people to understand is this is not Democrat versus Republican. This is the globalists versus the patriots, the rest of America who love this country and want to see this country survive. I agree. And and, uh, I think that was said probably the best I've ever heard anybody explaining that is Reagan during his time for choosing speech where he said, you know, there's not a left or a right. There's an up or a down. There's there's up. There's up to, you know, individual liberty and freedom, and there's down to the ash heap of history. And we're unfortunately uh, on this path right now that is leading us towards, I have an argument that I always make, and um, I'll get to the point in just a second. But the the argument I make is that fascism is not a product of the right. It's a product of the left. Because if you were truly far, far right, you'd be an anarchist. You don't want any government whatsoever. Yeah. Where, Where fascism is more like, corporatism and it's more maybe you have um as Mussolini said you have corporatism and that is what fascism is we certainly have that we have Zuckerberg and his 400 plus million we have Soros we have you know all this and um you know I think that we're we're going down this path towards the ash heap of history unfortunately and it really comes down to a 2024 in my opinion what do you think about that yeah, no, I, I agree. 2024 is a pivotal election. And uh, I think Americans need to get involved. We need This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. We need Americans involved uh, at your local and county levels. Wisconsin has done a great job. There's a lot of great groups in Wisconsin that are working really hard to clean up elections and clean up the corruption in your government. Um, mm-hmm. But we need, we need people all over the place, more in Wisconsin and then certainly more everywhere else around the country. Get involved. This is not a show. This is a participation project. We all need to get involved and, and work not just to vote, but to clean up the elections. Right. So in your book, you talk, you, you say, you know, what, what happened in 2020 and what does it mean for 2024? Is that the primary message where you're just saying that, hey, you know, it's time to get up off the couch and we have to yeah. actually... Yeah, we have to get involved. I I go through and show the reader what actually happened in 2020. And it's in a story format. It's not, you know, it's not academic, but um, it's in a story of the conversations that I'm having with people, uh, most of them elected officials. Um, And Wisconsin, actually, I think I've got the most material on Wisconsin in there, but um, I think I've got four or five chapters, just like half of the book is Wisconsin. Um, But yeah, and I do that to hopefully hopefully enlighten or inform is probably a better word, inform people about what took place so that you can go out and make sure it doesn't happen again. Whether it's just engaging with your elected officials and letting them know, hey, I don't like the way that this played out, uh, make sure this doesn't happen, uh, talking to your county clerks, making you know, try to decentralize, especially in Wisconsin, you've got you know Milwaukee and Madison and uh, I, I may, maybe just Milwaukee, but you've got these big central count facilities in these counties mm-hmm. that uh, the, the votes should be tallied at the precinct. There's no reason to collect all the ballots from the precincts and count them collectively in one location because that makes cheating easier. Um, if you actually want a secure election, the votes should be tallied at the precincts that they're cast. Um, and those tallied votes should be reported up, not the ballots. So I... I uh was in the the counting room, the main room for Green Bay. Oh, you got a show. I was an observer. And and what did you observe? <laughs> absolute chaos, a mess. I, you know, the, the people, the so-called committee that decides uh, which way a vote should go, whether or not it's a valid vote, et cetera, was literally two people who were, you know, we're just working on uh, next to the uh, machine to feed votes in, right? One of them had one yeah. of those in there, and it was this, it's exactly it's exactly as you said. I mean, we weren't allowed to see them, right? We weren't right. allowed to look at those ballots, and it was just yeah. I felt like it it was you're you feel like you're so ineffective because you're really not allowed to do much except watch these people. And right. you can't tell you can't tell if they're being honest about what they're doing when they run across these ballots, right. and you're not allowed to see them. So I I kind of felt honestly like what is what is the purpose of being here? Yeah, right? well that's important, and that's why you know the RNC, the Wisconsin GOP, grassroots needs to be filing lawsuits challenging that, saying that type of ridiculous activity can't occur in 2024. They need to make sure that 
all of the Republican workers actually actually do have access. Right. Instead, they were being kicked out and let out and the yep. windows were being covered and everything else. Again, the common sense smell test. I just I I scratch my head and I say, where did everybody's common sense go? And I guess it's just not so common. Yeah. That's what they say. So can you hang around for one minute? I'm going to try to take a break for three minutes and then come back if you have the time. Um, sure. Uh, are we live? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm back. I just, there's still a little technical issue going on here. Excuse me. Okay. Um, so what's next? What you, what you working on next? What, um, another book or what you thinking? Um, well, I have got lots of material for books that I have not written yet that I probably will write at some point in the near future. Um, but the primary goal right now is making sure that President Trump gets through these indictments. Um, and he will. I, I have all the confidence in the world that he will, but it's really ugly what they're doing. So, um, you know, my my role in Save America with President Trump is election integrity. Uh, and so all of, you know, the Fannie Willis case and the Washington, D.C. case certainly revolve around the election. So to the extent that I can provide support to those trial teams. I certainly do that. Um, and then I provide support where necessary to make sure we've got things in place uh, on the ground in the states as far as having secure elections and that the process is fair and that you know no one's cheating or trying to remove Donald Trump from the ballot illegally, you know, all that kind of stuff. So right. that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. <clears throat> that's a huge job, a critical job. Can be a yeah, really there's a lot. There's a lot to it. I, you know, I'm confident that we'll be successful, but we just need to do it. So I have a question for you. You were uh, Department of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you see if let's just assume that President Trump wins, he's back. How likely is it that he'll be able to restructure? these three-letter alphabet soup agencies that have gone off the rails? I think it's very likely. I mean, <laughs> you know, you you come for the king, you best not miss, right? I don't think these right. agencies are going to survive at least the way that they currently operate. He's going to make the necessary reforms to make sure this never happens again. Yeah, I would hope so. I just, you know, you look at, there's so much riding on one person and it's so corrupt that, you know, I mean, I pray for, I pray for America. I pray for President Trump. I, you know, I pray for the J6ers. I, I would love to see the J6ers get justice. Uh, and the, the people who have really um, shamefully uh, it, removed their rights and everything. And I'd love to see those people actually get what they deserve. And Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but I, I, I think I always say, you know, trust, trust in Trump, you know, but have faith in Jesus and, you know, it's it's something that um, so many people out there are hungry for these changes and, and really want America to be what it's supposed to be. And everybody at this point realizes that we got here because of not just the last 10 years, but the last 100 years. And we've really lost more and more of our rights. Yeah. And to put, I mean, people are really putting a lot on his shoulders. And, yeah, I just, I wonder... Uh, given the, the, I mean, the other side doesn't play nice. They're, they're dirty. They, you know, right. uh, not above doing something very harmful, I don't think. And I worry about that kind of stuff. So um, I is he at this point in time already formulating exactly what he would do in order? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I think his goal at this point is, one to survive these in, um, these charges, and then two to get reelected. Like th those are his priorities. Right. So is he? Do you think he uh, is close to a VP pick? I don't think so. No. No. I think um, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different ideas about who it should be. You know, and yeah. Who DeSantis, do you, you want to see? Um, man, that's a tough question. I think. Uh, Carrie Lake would be one. She's great. Love to see. I love Carrie Lake. Um, it's, it needs to be somebody with, with that kind of fire. Yeah. I think. 
Yeah. And it's funny because there actually aren't that many people with that kind of fire. There, there are some good ones that have, you know, stood out. Carrie Lake certainly is one of them. Matt Gates is another one. Mark Robinson, mm-hmm. the Lieutenant governor of, I think it's North Carolina. He's another one. There's a few that really have come out as like firebrands. Um, but a lot of Republicans have been kind of squishy. So I think, I think yeah. he's just waiting to see, you know, see how the cookie, cookie crumbles and he'll, uh, I, I have no doubt that he will pick whoever he believes is best for America. I think Matt Gates is a is a great choice as well. Uh, are those two it would specifically about Gates and and Carrie Lake? Are those two uh, not centrist enough? Are they too controversial? Well, I don't I don't think so. I mean, Matt Gates has been fully vetted by the FBI. I mean, the FBI went after him and investigated every aspect of his life, like how he's clean as a whistle, you know, there's, there's nothing on him. And as far as his political views, he's pro-America and, and being centrist at this point means you're okay with some level of compromising the United States of America. Um, So, I don't, I don't, per, I mean, this is just my opinion. I don't, I don't know what anybody else thinks, including the president, but um, I don't, no. I don't think there's any problem with their viewpoints. I'm a big fan of both of those people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's right. I think too, that um, people are waking up and they're realizing, as we said earlier, there is no right or left. And what we have right now is this kind of uniparty that, you know, is why Trump is so wildly successful is because people just, you want somebody that's real and and enough of the games enough of the enough of feeding us the lies and mm-hmm. deceiving people and you know the the good old boy system it's it's time to actually put america on americans first and i think that that would be a good choice and i hope he does choose somebody that has that kind of fire because um certainly his base would absolutely love it yeah. and i think i think that's important but so so what um what is the the top issue in your mind that is the most destructive to our country right now? The Department of Justice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I a mean, good choice. The Department of Justice. I mean, the department. If it weren't for a corrupt Department of Justice, all of the other issues would resolve. You know, the open border, the Biden administration, not just the administration, Biden family taking tens right. of millions of dollars from our adversaries possibly more. I mean, it has the potential to be in the the billions if you include American government money that they're using to their own, uh, their own advantage. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's the Department of Justice. That's, that's the biggest problem. Yeah, without a doubt, that's huge, huge, huge in the border. This is, you know, I mean, we had 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11, 22 years uh, this week. And we fought a war for 20 years, and you were in Afghanistan, and you know that better than anybody. Um, but we fought a war for 20 years, and we're allowing this fentanyl to come across our border and kill many more people, 120, 150,000 a year, you know? And yeah. What, you know, so my question is, what's it going to take for the average everyday American to just say you know enough's enough i demand that these things be taken care of and i hate as a conservative you always have to say you know i'm not promoting violence and blah 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 only only conservatives have to say that yeah exactly yeah but you know and then we we look at the j6ers and we look at the blm antifa folks and who you know just a ridiculous uh imbalance of of justice a two-tier justice system but what's it going to take for our side to be out in the streets like the left would be? And additionally, uh, my belief is that uh, January 6th was planned in order to instill fear. So we're not out on the streets. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of First Amendment rights and the right to protest and redress grievances with your government, all, all of that. So to the extent people want to protest, by all means, go do it. Um, but I would prefer, rather than just doing that, certainly protest is very, um, it can be very powerful. But I think more powerful than that is people actually getting involved to solve the problem. You can protest, but 
In addition, or instead of, make sure you're calling your members of Congress, your state house and legislature, especially in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it's really, really, really important that you let your state legislators, Senate and House, or Senate and Assembly, I should say, um, how you want, what you want them to do, what you want from them as it relates to the election. Make sure that they do what you want and then take your groups in, you know, FOIA request or um, open records request. And there, there's already many, many groups in Wisconsin doing this. So no one needs to reinvent the wheel, just get involved with the groups that are already doing it. Um, and, and, you know, help sort through voter rolls and help sort through uh, rejection rates in, in every aspect of the election to clean it up. That's how, that's what, I mean, that's what people need to be doing. I'm a big fan of protest, but I'd rather have them clean up the process. Yeah, good point. And, and um, Steve Stern in the precinct strategy, yeah, I think, a great is, is another great one. Hot government uh, is in Wisconsin, H-O-T. It stands for Honest, Open, and Transparent Government. Peter Berniger also has a group in Wisconsin. Um, oh, I never, I shouldn't have started because I'm not gonna be able to list them all. I don't remember them all, all <laughs> off the top of my head. There's a lot of really great groups in Wisconsin that please get plugged in. Yeah, absolutely. You need to be more active and 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 also not be afraid to run for some of the open seats and yeah, school board yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I think definitely have more. I was talking before you came on about, you know, before the constitutional amendment that removed the decisions and who's going to be in the Senate federally. Uh, you know, it used to be that the, the states chose them, which I think really gave people, citizens, that the average citizens, more of a voice mm -hmm. because they they had to come here, right? I mean, they were they were uh, chosen through the state. So you basically just go down to your capital and you had a lot more influence, I think, than yeah. what we have today. But um, I think people are kind of afraid to, to reach out and, and actually surface and say things and be open and direct because of the fear that's been instilled because of things like January 6th. But mm -hmm. we gotta we got to ignore that and we have to, to step up and and do the types of things that you've suggested there. So, um, so appreciate that. Now, what do you, so you, uh, we were talking about, you know, the next election and your focus on the next election. Uh, what kind of things are you actually involved with right now in your, how you're assisting President Trump? Uh, well, so that's what I was saying. I, I will help in litigation support that's needed for the cases that relate to election matters. Um, I engaged with folks on the ground in, the, in a variety of states, including Wisconsin, um, to see, you know, what issues are coming up. Does anybody need to file suit to uh, protect certain rights or privileges? I'll take a look at those issues. Uh, so my job is primarily focused on election integrity and hopefully securing the 2024 election, as well as providing support to the trial teams uh, that need information about the 2020 election. Awesome. Well, I am in Wisconsin, as you know, and if if I can be of help in any way, uh, reach out. I like to I like to try to help. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being so gracious with your time and for being here and talking about you know yourself more than than others. I think it's it's good to get to know people, and I like the fact that you are so open. So thank you for that as well. And you're always welcome back. Um, I'm going to give you the last minute here just to say what you want to say, where people can go to get your book or where they can follow you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to be here. Um, and I'm a big fan of Wisconsin. I've done a lot of work in your state uh, over the last three years, approximately three years. So I've I've grown to love Wisconsin as if it were my own. Um, you can find information about me if you want at christinabob.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-B-O-B-B.com. Uh, Instagram and uh, Instagram and Twitter, or X, excuse me, is Christina underscore Bob. Truth is Christina Bob. Uh, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024 is available everywhere. Uh, yeah. And thank you awesome. so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'd love to have you back. Good luck. Travel safe. Be safe. And uh, we'll be we'll be praying for you and, and uh, following you and seeing you know, how things are going. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you.
All right, I am just going to go and do a few stories here because of these technical issues that we're having today. My apologies for that. It was a, a great pleasure to uh, talk with Christina, and I hope that you got something out of that interview. I'd like to, to try to make them a little more personal like that because I think we're all interested in the story behind the story a little bit, and uh, I hope you got something out of that. Uh, so let's look at a couple of um, let's look at a couple stories here. So. We were talking about, you know, the, the border and basically uh, the border is become a war zone and they're literally, I'm going to bring this other story up quick, literally has been uh, gunfire, you know, they're talking about uh, the cartels being in power down there and gunfire at the border. Uh, it's turned into a crazy uh, debacle and it's turned into a hazard, a danger for Americans. We see more and more stories about uh, violence, uh, you know, at the hands of people who came across the border illegally. We have so many countries represented. I think the last number of countries I heard represented with the illegals coming over is about 150 on the southern border and um, around 50, I think, or 70 at the northern border. So, it's not just a problem in the southern border. It's uh, it's also at the northern border, but the 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 big problem is the southern border because of the cartels and the drug flow and the basically state of warfare. And you, if you followed Mexico for the last God who knows how many years, but the the drug violence and the assassinations of police officers and police leadership, uh, you know, and the the level of corruption. Uh, that is spilling across into our border, into our country, and these people are going to take more and more American lives, and I think that's what we're going to end up seeing, unfortunately, and um, uh, it's uh, it's something that hopefully Trump gets back in. I believe he will. I believe that uh, he will address that border as, to, as one of the first things he does, and he's going to have a lot of deportations on his hands, like 15 million probably, he's gonna have to look at at least. So uh, it's just an astronomical um, challenge. And I think that uh, you know, at the same time, we're looking at external threats aside from that. And we're looking at China building islands, we're looking at balloons being allowed to come over our country and to come over our nuclear sites and the, you know, from an enemy. And um, we just have such weak leadership that has led to this stuff. So the the wokeness of America, the shoving of the woke values down, or I would say, I wouldn't even call them values, the shoving of the woke mental illness down American people's throats is seeped into every aspect of life. And it should be no surprise that since the military decided to focus more on being woke than focused on defending our country. And uh, first of all, I thank everybody who has gone into the military for their service. But I think that, uh, you know, this has to be said, and that is that our our military is not what it, what it should be. It's not what it could be. It's not what we need it to be. And that is why we're seeing stories like this. So the Air Force fall, is going to fall short of its recruiting recruiting goals. And I doubt that the Air Force is all alone in that. And I think that it's, you know, primarily because of the uh, the level at which everybody has pushed the woke agenda. So that is my opinion on that. Let's look at, um, let's look at this one. So Biden came out this week and uh, the past couple of weeks, actually, he's been saying Biden economics is a positive and, um, here we have a story, Census Bureau revealing that income dropped and poverty soared, and that's not a surprise to any of us. So it says, despite the Biden administration's efforts to tout the alleged successes of Bidenomics, a report from the United States Census Bureau has revealed that many Americans saw their economic situation deteriorate dramatically in the first half of Biden's term. While the official poverty rate hovered around 11.5% in 2021 and 2022, According to the report, the Supplemental Poverty Measure, or SPM, increased 4.6% in 2022 to reach 12.4%, marking the first overall increase in that metric since 2010. 
In total, 37.9 million Americans lived in <clears throat> excuse me lived in poverty in 2022. 37.9 million lived in poverty in 2022. The report partially attributed the increase to the expiration of tax credits. And there's only more and more bad news. We have uh, you know we have the the states like in the show yesterday. Uh, with Amber May, we were talking about how you know Hawaii has an extremely suspicious uh, wildfire, and the reaction to it is really what's suspicious. Is, and uh, I think that most of us understand what our government is now capable of. And then what happens? You know, you have an official come out and say, "Oh, don't worry, the state's going to buy up the land." And uh, what's happening there? You know, we spent some time talking about. Uh, the destruction of individual wealth, and they're coming after that. And the whole digital currency thing is another example as to how they're going to try to control our our income and decide whether or not you eat or heat your home or what you do uh, based on your social score that's going to be tied to your finances. That's the objective. And uh, so we're going to see a lot more of this. And I would uh, I would say that if Trump is not elected, that it's pretty much over. That uh, we will be in the um, we will be you know in the prophecies, if you will, we will be in that new world order. We will be in that worldwide tyranny. And um, the only thing that is going to stop that is if we get Trump in and we take care of these folks and. Uh, otherwise, the option is a civil war, and none of us want to see that. But I do see that if they push us into that position, I see a lot of people, you know, standing up. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of bloodshed in the future if that's the case. And unfortunately so, as I said, nobody wants to see that. Uh, that tragedy is what it would be. So let's see. Uh, so let me get some people pushing back. I'm going to show a good story here. So Georgia suspends gas tax amid emergency declaration over inflation. <clears throat> so obviously not our favorite person, but um, in Georgia, you know, Kemp has declared a state of emergency due to high inflation and the negative economic conditions affecting Georgians as a result of policies coming out of Washington. So great, you know, suspend the taxes, but uh, the real root cause is much, much deeper. And uh, he certainly didn't help matters at all. This person in particular, I think many people would like to see his political career end, and we probably will. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's it's just I guess a a good break, but uh, you know something that isn't going to really help address the pro the problem overall. So, all right, I am going to leave it there for today. Hopefully tomorrow we have the technical issues ironed out and worked out. Um, we will see you then.